praise your name. You're the only king worthy of our praise in this place. So Father, let that be on our hearts that we can sing to the one who rescued our soul, to the one who's welcomed us home. Father, we we love you and thank you for that truth in our life. And I pray that whatever it is we're we're going through right now, that we would feel that, that you'd be there and uh, we could praise you regardless of the scenario. So Father, we love you. We thank you.
morning, church. Good morning. You know what's so special about those moments as a church when we can just just lift our hands or we can just be quiet in, in the stillness of our heart and just, just sing songs of new, sing songs of old, still singing to the same king. Amen? So just love, I just love when we have those times as a church. It's just so powerful. And so if you're new with us this morning, just know you belong here. This is a place for you to belong. This is a place where even if you're just passing through, we just are so thankful that you would choose Crossroads to hang out with us this morning. We really, really are excited. We pray for you. We're thankful for you. And so if you're new with us, please stop by the Next Steps booth as you leave. And we would love to give you something free and just hear your story. It would it would mean the world to us. Plus, I know there's two really cool guys out there. Go hang out with them. Anyway, so June Jamboree is happening on June 15th. You can sign up. It's free, absolutely free, F-R-E-E, free. On our website, check it out. It's going to be a great just three hours on June 15th of just inflatables and live music and great food and just having fun. And maybe even talking or hanging out with somebody from this church that maybe you go, I didn't know you You go to the first hour, I go to the second hour. It's just a great opportunity and also invite your friends. People check out these events for five years before they even step foot indoors. So please invite your friends to say, hey, we're going to go hang out at this event. Why don't you come with us? It'd be a great opportunity, and it's also free. So check it out. June Jamboree, June 15th. Man Day is our answer to Father's Day, which is happening on June 17th. And so there's going to be egg sandwiches like in the parking lot. And if you have a classic car and you want to bring it up, we would love if you brought your car up. I know there's a lot of people who got got nice cars. I've seen the pictures from the car crews, people. Bring them up. We'd love to see them. And it would be just a great day just to celebrate the dads and just celebrate the guys here in our church. And then the following weekend is Founders Weekend. So Pastor Arnold and his wife will be up and we're really thankful to to celebrate with them and just hear what's going on in their life and to just recognize that we don't just stand on random people's shoulders. We stand on the shoulders of people that God has placed in this church. And there's rich history at this church. And as a staff member here, I'm privileged and honored to serve here. And so we're super excited to have Pastor Arnold and his wife up here for the weekend. And then July 9th through the 13th is VBS. I could talk, watch the video. Luke was doing the Macarena. Um, anyway, so good morning. I'm excited to be here this morning and talk to you about Amped. Um, this is a really, really awesome theme for VBS. Each day we're really diving into the Bible about how Jesus is alive and how children matter, people matter, and how they're a part of a bigger story. And I'm just super excited. I told the first hour I almost thought about bringing Jonas's bike and riding it down, and I thought, that's probably not going to go well. So I was pushing the limits with the rollerblades last time. 
But anyways, we are going to start to see this place transform over the next few weeks. I'm just asking that you would just join me in prayer over the the many, many children that are going to be coming here. Lots of the kiddos that come to VBS don't usually attend our church every Sunday, so we get a lot of community kids, and that's really why we do this, right? And so it's going to be really important that you guys join me in prayer over that. And if you want to be part of this AMP team and have so much fun with the coolest people in the world, then I am encouraging you and inviting you stop downstairs after second, after this service right now um, in the canopy room. And I'm not going to keep you very long. And even if you can't stay for the actual short meeting, then please just fill out a registration form. Let me know you're interested in being a part of this team and a part of this bigger story. And get super excited because, like I said, the shenanigans are about to start. So I'm warning you now. Okay? Thanks, Court. As the ushers come forward for our morning offering, we are just, we're amped. I mean, it's the truth. That's why, it's why we get excited. And, and again, we might have high top experiences or might be in the valleys. We can get excited because the one who knows us has called us home, the one who's rescued us. And so we are just excited to talk about Jesus this morning. That's what we do here at Crossroads. And if you're new with us, the plate's going to come by. And this is absolutely something you can participate in. This is for those who are regular in the grace of giving. Maybe your offering this morning is saying, hey, this is something I need prayer for. Grab a connection card in front of you. Just fill it out and put it in there. You don't have to put your name on it, but that could be your offering this morning. You're more than welcome to participate, and we're just really excited about what God's going to do this morning. Join me in prayer. God, we're, we're humbled to just know you're here. God, to, to just, sing, just sing like we did just a few minutes ago to hear the voices and to to just know there's so many stories in this room and so many situations, God, that maybe maybe are too hard to articulate. God, I know we um, our hearts uh, are just with uh, just so many families right now, God, who are just suffering the loss of loved ones, God, who are going through really hard times financially with or God or with marriages. God, I know there are people. I just one this morning, God, I know there are people praying for their kids to know Jesus, for their spouse to know Jesus. And, and so, God, they're all over the map, but we're just so thankful that you are everywhere. You're with us in the valley. You're with us in the mountaintop, God. You're with us when we have a song to sing. You're with us when we have nothing in our hearts to give. God, you still meet us exactly where we are. And so, God, we get everything on the table. We acknowledge that we need you no matter how you look at our lives we need a relationship with you through your son Jesus Christ and so that's why we gather that's why we worship that's why we sing that's why we get excited because Jesus has rescued us so Lord as we give now to that mission to see more lives rescued by Jesus Christ we are so excited because the efforts of saving are not dependent on us, but they're dependent on you, God, and you are on the move. Holy smokes, God, you're moving like crazy, and we are thankful and excited. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name we pray.
trumpet singing. Soften our hearts as we hear your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus.
Aren't you glad to be here this morning? Let's give our God a hand. What a great day it's been so far, man. What a great day. Before I jump into our message this morning, I just want to offer condolences uh, from our church family to the Mavilla family. As you know, the Mavillas lost uh, both Ron and Ron, father and son, this week. And uh, it was really a hard week for us here at the church. And I just, uh, I want you to, to hug on them and love on them. And his wife, Shelly, she's here this morning. She's just a great lady. And we, we just want you to know we love you and we're praying for you. And uh, if you could just uh, just be praying for them, all right? What a, what a tough week it's been. And, uh, and you know, we, we've, had a, we've had a number of these throughout this past month here. Um, uh, many of you probably even know James McKinney. James McKinney was a guy who taught me in fifth grade. He used to stand on the back wall every time I got up to speak, and he passed away uh, suddenly this year, just, uh, just a few weeks ago, and it was just like, wow. So we, we've been, our church has been going through a lot of grief, and I just want you to, to lift, uh, lift these families up, the McKinney family, uh, Mavella family, and a number of others that, uh, that, are, uh, that are going through grief this morning. But as we get into our series this morning, I just, I just want to share with you the, uh, you know, we, we've been talking about goals, hashtag goals, right? And as you sh- saw that little video, you, you think of, uh, you know, you're not going to think of me breakdancing. I'll just tell you that, okay? That's just the, that me and breakdancing don't go in the same sentence, right? <clears throat> not whenever I was at, at a younger healthier age, right? So not even then did that work together. But as, as we're talking about goals, we're talking about goals that are transformational, goals that will be character transformational. Uh, you can set goals to go and do a bunch of things, and those are great. I think they're, they're fantastic. Uh, my daughter set a goal to run a marathon this year, so she went out and ran a marathon, and I think that was a, that's a great goal to do. But there are goals that are even deeper than doing things. There are goals that are, are character goals. And as we, you know, even our logo here, it's, you know, the goals are to be like Christ. And so when God gives, God produces this in our life, he's the one who can open this up and develop this in our life. And so I want you to to look with me this morning at Galatians 5, 22 through 23. You'll see it here on the screen. Uh, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so we see this list of character traits, and, and these, are, these are virtues that God is trying to produce in us. So we took the first three weeks, and we looked at love, joy, and peace, and then we're looking today at patience. And when I, when I bring up the word patience, I want you, to, I want you to realize that it's an uncomfortable word, isn't it? Because most of us don't have patience. As a matter of fact, uh, we live in a world where, where people don't wait on anything. If you want something, you just go to Amazon Prime, you click, and it's there by tomorrow, right? You have Amazon Prime, you have it in 24 hours, 48 hours at the longest, and, and it comes instantly. You don't have to go down to Walmart. I don't have to get out of my car and go down to Walmart and look at three different sizes. I just pick out the size I want, and if I don't like it, I return it. It's no big deal, right? Uh, and then Amazon Prime is even going to come up with this drone thing. I hear them talking about this drone, you know. You'll be able to click and have it at your door within an hour. This drone will deliver it like we get a pizza delivered. You'll be able to get your underwear delivered delivered too, okay? So it all comes in the same way, right? So uh, convenience is nice, and that's the world we live in. We live in a world of convenience. We live in the instant society. As a matter of fact, WTAE did a study on the emergency room wait times. Now, here are the emergency room wait times. And this was just done this April. It was all over the media. 
According to WTA, government records show that average wait time to see an ER doctor at Heritage Valley in Swickley is 34 minutes. That's the longest in western Pennsylvania. The second longest is 29 minutes, which is at St. Clair Hospital, and followed by 27 minutes at Mon Valley Hospital. So those, those are your three longest wait EER times. That compares to just six minutes at UPMC McGee, which I don't think they'll let me in there, right? So UPMC McGee, seven minutes at Cannonsburg Hospital, right, uh, just over the hill here, and 10 minutes at Allegheny General and West Penn. So, so we, I mean, the fact that this is even a topic on our local news tells us that we are living in a very impatient world. We live in a world that's like waiting is not part of our vocabulary. Uh, we love fast service. We want everything in a hurry. And then I started to look and I said, well, wait a minute. Pa- patience is a virtue, right? And that, that's a great statement. You've heard that, that patience is a virtue. And I'm like, well, if I don't have patience, no big deal. It's just one of the virtues I don't have, right? Uh, and, and then I started to think, well, why is patience so important? If it was so important, why did God put it in? in, I mean, it's not one, two, three, four. It's the fourth one in. Why did he say love, joy, peace, which we we can all get into love, joy, peace. But patience, that's another story. I don't have patience to wait for patience. You know, I mean, did you ever think of that? It's like to develop patience. God has to develop this in you. And so according to this verse, this is the fruit that God will develop in you. He is going to develop this fruit, patience. And you say, well, what is patience? According to Webster's definition, if you looked up, that was my tried and true dictionary, Webster's dictionary, right? He says that, that patience is the bearing, bearing pains or trials calmly without complaining. And I said, I don't have patience because I don't do it without complaining. I think many people bear pains. We bear pains, right? We bear trials but to do them without complaining. And my father-in-law, he just had a, an open-heart surgery, and he's sitting in the, in the room, and, and he's, he's not complaining about anything. It's just like, you know, I think the, the biggest complaint I heard was that, you know, the coffee doesn't taste good because he he's a coffee connoisseur, right? And it's just like, wow, you know, that, that he's not complaining about his, this, this pain. He has pain, and he's dealing with it. He has patience, and it's like this man, has, it's, it's, he's dealing with this, and he's, he's just walking through it. He's bearing the pain, dealing with trials calmly or without complaining. See, patience is not merely just the ability to wait. There are things in your life that you have to wait for whether you like it or not. You just have to wait. Uh, you know, if, if, if I'm, I could say that I have patience, I'm waiting on a relative to come visit. Yeah, that's an easy one to have patience on, right? Yeah, I, I can't wait for them to come. But whenever you're looking for something bigger in your life and you're looking for something uh, that, that involves a lot of discomfort, we typically don't have patience. We typically are stuck there. And it's the, the patience is the ability to wait without complaining. But yet we have to wait. And so there, there, there are, there are two, two big words here um, that, that we're going to look at here in just a moment. But I want you to think about the children of Israel. The children of Israel, they were this country that God released out of slavery. They were in this terrible bondage of slavery. And now here's a million people wandering about in the desert. And as they're wandering about in the desert, they, uh, they start to complain. And, and it's like God said he would give them this land. He called it the promised land. He promised that they would get to it. And, and he even provided for them food. It was called manna. This manna would just appear every morning. 
It was kind of like a bread-like substance. And then there was quail. So they would have manna and quail. And then they would have more quail and more manna and more manna and more quail. And they started to complain. They said, is there anything else on the menu? And they started, to, they started to grumble and complain. You go through and you read Numbers chapter 11 and you'll read about the complaints that they had before God. And, you, and, and we're standing here 3,000 years later. We're looking at the historical account. We're looking at what God gave us in his word. And we're saying, how could they be so foolish as to not trust God? They're wandering in a desert. They were under slavery. Things were horrible. God released them. And now they're saying, we'd rather go back into slavery. We'd rather go back into Egypt. At least we had food and water and more than quail and manna. Quail, manna, quail, manna. And so we, we do that. And what it was is the, the, they were impatient. They wanted it in their time. They wanted it now. And that's what we are. And, and you know, we, we, we look at that. We say, well, how can that be? How can it be that I could, that I could be, you know, how, we're not like the children of Israel. And I say, yes, we are. And here's a good example. What happens when the air conditioner breaks at your house? Seriously, you know? Um, when, when I was a kid, I thought air conditioning was for rich people, really, because nobody had it, really. I mean, we lived in Dormont. My mom and dad had a window unit. It was this big box, and it was like the end of the world to pull it out, and we put it in that window unit, and it was in their bedroom. And so when, you know, when at nighttime it got above 75, we got to sleep in that room. And we would all go in, you know, my parents had their bed, we had the floor, and there were three of us kids on the floor, and it was just like, you know, it was an icebox. I think they got it down to 38 degrees in there at night. And then we'd open up the door, and it felt like you were going back into the Caribbean, you know? It was just like, ah, you couldn't breathe again. And, and now today I have this whole house air conditioning, and probably most of you have whole house air conditioning. Uh, the other day the air conditioning broke in my office. Three weeks ago, to be exact. Okay? And, and, I, and I've been very impatient. Why? Because it's hot. It reached 80 degrees in my office. I would have loved that in February. It was wonderful, right? So here's what happens. We start to complain. And why do we start to complain? Because it's not getting fixed in my time. I can open the windows. I can do all kinds of things. There's all, way, all the ways to remedy it. And so what happens is I don't have this patience. And so patience is the ability to wait without complaining. And so as we go through this deal where you wait without complaining, uh, th- that is what patience. And God is the one who develops it. You can't go home and develop patience on your, home, on, on your own. You have to do this in God's with him producing the fruit. Now look here in your, in, uh, on the screen here. I have two words. One is expectation. This is where patience comes in because you have an expectation of how life ought to go. This is what I planned it. These were my dreams. These were my hopes. This is what I expect. You have an expectation of God. You have an expectation of your family. You have an expectation of your neighbors, the people that you interact with. There's, we just lay expectations on everybody. And then there's another word I call it Reality. And our reality and our expectations quite often don't, ma- don't meet. Uh, as a matter of fact, I have found that most of the time my expectations far exceed reality. And it's like, wow, I, I so desired this. And then, really? This is what I was, all right? So what is in between? The gap in between is the word Patience. And so when we're setting out life and we have an expectation on God, we have an expectation on our family, we have an expectation on on whatever, and then our reality is over here, that time in between is where we need patience. 
We need patience for God to change our heart, for God to get our emotions caught up to whatever it is that he's doing. We need patience. We need patience, the ability to not complain in those moments. Uh, not just to wait, because like I said, many times you don't have an option but to wait. You have to wait on many things. But it's in patience is that moment where you're there and you say, okay, we're going to deal with this. We're going to deal with this. And I take that deep breath and I'm able to deal with it. And things may not come out the way that I want because my expectation and my reality are too far away from each other. And in the meantime, here I am over with reality and I need God to help me because my reality is painful. My reality is far from what I hoped and dreamed for. That's where we need patience. Now look here, James chapter five. James was the brother of Jesus and when he writes this, I want you to check this out. He says this. James says, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. He says, There's a, we have a great hope. Jesus is coming back. One day he will come back. We don't know when. And, and, and James gave us this, you know, nearly 2,000 years ago, 1,800 years ago. He's writing this, this, these words. And he says, look, Jesus is coming back. So it's something that we should be looking forward to because he is the one in charge. And he says, be patient, brothers and sisters, knowing that until the Lord's coming, uh, uh, until the Lord's coming, seeing how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. He says, consider the farmer. The farmer has patience. And, and, and that, that's what it does. He, he has to go out, he has to plant it. There's a man in our church who loves tomatoes. And this, he's an older gentleman in our church. He loves tomatoes and he loves to plant tomatoes. And he doesn't go and he doesn't buy the starter, starter to, uh, tomato plants. He starts them from seeds. And he was explaining to me what he does. He takes the, the, uh, the seeds and he puts them in like little cups. And he, and he plants the seed and he puts them in his basement. He starts, I don't know, sometime February, early March. And he goes into his basement and he has lights on this. And he starts to grow these tomatoes from seeds. And then, then as the tomato plant starts to grow a little bit, you know, he, he has to water it, he has to do all this work, and it's all inside during the cold time. And then, you know, we get to about Memorial Day weekend, whenever you pretty much think that frost may be gone in Pittsburgh, right? So he goes out and he takes what, that, what has grown from a seed to this small plant, and he takes the small plant and he transfers it out and plants it in his garden back in, in behind his house. And then he puts up a fence around it, and then he pulls the weeds, and he protects it from rabbits and deers and all this stuff, and, and, he, and he does all this work. He has to feed it, and he does all this thing, and then at, at harvest comes this abundance of tomatoes. I mean, he, it's just him and his wife. There's not a whole lot of tomatoes eaters in their house, right? Just two people. But he's given tomatoes away to everybody, and they are the best-tasting tomatoes that you'll ever want to eat. Now, let me tell you the patient's that that man had. Planting, weeding, all the way from inside, from the seed, all the way to get the fruit. Let me tell you the patience I have. I have about a month's patience to go to Giant Eagle and buy a tomato, okay? That's the patience that I have. This man has patience. That's what a farmer does. He takes it from a seed and he grows it and he grows it and grows it all the way out here and he finally gets a tomato. So I want you to think about your life because this is what he said he says, be patient. Consider the farmer. 
he, he, uh, he knows that, that, that the crop will come, but how patient he is waiting for the rain because he can't control the rain. Uh, number eight, you too be patient. That word patient is also translated long-suffering. Uh, the, the word there is hupomenea. It, it, it talks about I have hope. And so you can suffer long because you have hope. See, the farmer, he can suffer long. He has patience because he has hope. He knows that when I plant this and if I do all these things, then in the end I get a tomato. In the end I get the harvest. You too long suffer. You too have hope and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Don't, don't grumble. In other words, farmers don't complain about each other's, hey, his crop's growing more than mine. Just go out and do the work. Get it done, but be patient because God's the one who gives the increase. Now, James chapter 5, verse 10, continuing on. Brothers, as an example of, of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who persevered. There's another word for endurance. Back in, back in the original language, that word can also be translated that they were patient, or in other words, that they endured with patience. Consider those who have endured with patience, who persevered. You who have heard of Job's, uh, of Job's perseverance, of his patient endurance, and have seen what the Lord finally brought about, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. He says, consider all those prophets. And as you go back, you look through the prophets, there, there was a lot to consider because a lot of them had a lot of trials. They had a lot of problems. They had a lot of heartache. Job, man, Job was living for God. He, had every, he was doing everything. In Job's eyes, he thought, I was doing everything right. And then Job faced illnesses. He faced family. Uh, he lost his family, lost his wife, lost his kids, lost every bit of wealth that he had. And at the end, he comes before the Lord, and he even questions out to the Lord. He cries out to the Lord, why me? What, what did I do? And, and the Lord says, well, where were you when I founded the earth? I'm still in charge. In other words, God was saying to Job, listen, I've got this under control. I'm the one who, ha- I, I understand, Job, I understand your life, I understand your disappointments, I understand the pain that you're experiencing, and I want you to know, Job, that I have got this under control, and I want you to know that you're loved, you're my child, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, and this is all in the promises of God, but it is not in my time. Now, here, here's, here's what happens. Uh, as we to express patience, for us to have patience, it's really an expression of two things. It's an expression of hope, and it's an expression of grace. So if you're taking notes on the back of your bulletin, the fill in the blank is our hope, number one, is that God is at work. And so when we say hope, we're not meaning like, well, I hope it might happen. It's like, no, I have hope. It's confident assurance. So we have confident assurance of this. And here's the confident assurance. Romans 8.28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now let me give you the translation as I've read that. Let me translate to you from my brain what I always read that to mean. I always read it to mean, well, in the end, everything will work out. That's not what the verse says. Look at what it says. It says, we know that in all things God works. Did you catch that? In everything. So in your life, you're facing some calamity right now. Guess what? God 
promises to continue to work in the midst of all your problems. God works. We know that in all things, God works. We know that for his glory, he is continuing to work. All things, God works. So that is our hope. Number one is that he works. And and, and as he works, I want you to understand that Jesus himself, he faced suffering. He had to endure suffering. Hebrews 12, 2 says, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, uh, who set who for the joy set before him endured the cross. That's that same word, patiently endured. It's it's that concept that he just kept going and going and going, yet without complaining. Jesus went to the cross and he paid for your sin once for all forever. He died for you. The, The scripture says that while we were still sinners, while our backs were turned on the almighty God, he died for us. He paid the price for us. That's a powerful love. And he didn't complain when he did it. Now, you know, I, I struggle with that because I complain. I, I'm, I'm, I need God to, to continue to develop this patience in my life because it's easy for me to go to what's wrong, what didn't go right. And even though I'm trying to help something and this and that, it's like, wow, wait a minute. At the end of the day, I need God to give me that it's, it's where I'm content in him, and I know that he's in complete control. And, and, and so John Orberg said it well. He said, we can't move faster than the one that we are following. And, and that's a powerful quote because if our God, if Jesus went to the cross and he died on the cross, he paid for your sin, and he didn't complain as he did that, you understand that we too will have trials and tribulations and that we too will endure suffering, and that we too can indeed be like Christ through his power, through his character transformation in our life, and we can endure it and do it without complaining and be a patient person. The second thing under hope is that we hope, our hope is that God's timing is best. We know that God's timing is best, and you can fill that in the blank on your bulletin. His timing is best. And, and let me tell you, I really struggle with that because I want my timing all, all, always. I'm always looking at my time. I'm saying, I think it should be done this way. My timing is 45 seconds in the microwave and that coffee's done, right? That's enough to heat up that cup of coffee and I, that's the way it's going to be. And we look at life and I put down these markers and deadlines and all this. But yet, God says that he makes everything beautiful. Ecclesiastes 3.11 It's a powerful verse I want you to take home and memorize it because this has helped me so much, particularly the first line. He has made everything beautiful in his time. You say, wait a minute. Things are really dark and things are really ugly. Right now, they are. But in his time, God makes all things beautiful. You say, how can he do that? I don't know how he does it, but I know he promised it. And he says, at the heaviest heartache you're dealing with right now, God is going to be with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And he will make all things beautiful in his time. There will be things that you don't, that you've never seen before. And, and down the road, you'll be able to hindsight and say, well, I don't understand this. And you know what? It may not, we may not understand it till we be, till we are in heaven with Jesus. But that's whenever he, 
First Corinthians says right now we see through a glass darkly. It's like we can't, we can't really make out what's really happening here. But when we get to heaven, we will see clearly. The veil will be taken away. And we'll be able to say, God, that's what you were doing. I didn't know you were developing me. I can tell you, I look back in my life, and there, there were things that I've waited for that, uh, that I wanted a little quicker. Many things I wanted a lot quicker. And in all things, he makes it beautiful. And I can tell you, man, I'm looking back on life so far, my limited point of view of life here, I'm saying, man, from, from what I've seen already, there were some tough times in there. Man, I, I, man, God has made things beautiful. And, and those moments where I waited, you know, I remember as a college student saying that I was going to, you know, within five years I would be married. I, and I'll never forget that because my buddy Phil Allen was, we were roommates down at Liberty for a semester across the hall from each other. And, and we made a bet that I'd be married within five years of that moment. And I think I made it by like a half hour or something like that, you know? It was, it was really tough. But, you know, I, I remember that five years of waiting. Man, I come out of, out of college and I came back to work in the church. You know what it's like to be a youth pastor and try and go on a date? That was really fun. I had like 40 little, little eyes looking at me all the time. You know, all these teenagers, you know? And I'd go on a date. They're like, we saw you hold her hand. I was like, I know, but you're not allowed to, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I'd just be, you know, just be, just be loving on, not on your, and, and so that time, that waiting period, it was like, God, why didn't you provide for me sooner? Then all of a sudden, I'll tell you, she walked in the door, and I was like, all right, God, this is your answer. She doesn't know yet, but I do, you know? It was, God made everything beautiful in his time. She didn't see me as beautiful until he made it in his time. And she's like, yeah, that, that, well, you already heard that before, right? So let's move on. All right? Patient, uh, you, you, need, you need hope. You need grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his love towards us. And so it's an expression of hope and grace. And as I'm patient with other people, I'm expressing hope and grace. How did God love me? That's how I need to be with other people. He was gracious to me. I deserve to go. And be away from him forever and ever in a real place called hell. But he died on the cross and he paid for my sin. And because he did that, he offered it to me. And he offers it to you, a free gift called eternal life. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You don't even have to be good. He says, just take it. As he loved me, that's how I dispense grace. And patience. You see, I have patience for things. But I think we have less patience for people, don't we? And God says, be patient with people. To love them. To dispense the grace that God has dispensed to you. Dispense that to others. It's life transformational. Patience grows in the same soil in which it's tried. The very soil that you have been, that, that has tried, that has been hard, that is where patience grows. So I want to give you a couple practical thoughts here. How is patience formed? How do we form patience? Well, John Ortberg in his book, it's, uh, it was called, the, book, the name of the book is The Life You've Always Wanted to Live. A great book. And it talks about spiritual disciplines. Uh, he, he gives a couple suggestions. One suggestion is this. He says intentional slowing. Intentional slowing. In other words, you, you want to slow down your life. And, and here's, here's what I'm saying. Uh, go to the grocery store. Now, this is intentional slowing. Go to the grocery store and get in the longest line. You ever do that? 
I don't know of anybody that's ever done that. All right, so th- this, is, this is really a hard experiment. You know what will happen? If you intentionally pick the longest line, you'll develop patience. You might even make a few friends while you're at it. I don't know, you know. So you, you're, you're in that long line. Or if you're driving, you're on your way to vacation, just stay in the right lane the whole time. <laughs> Try not passing anybody from here to Hilton Head, right? Um, you will grow or your, the people in your car will, will die. I don't know. I don't know. Something, something will happen, right? So it's just like you're going you're gonna to keep going, and it's just like, ah, yeah. Go below the speed limit. He, and why does he suggest that? He says because those are non-life-threatening moments that you can develop patience. You can grow in those areas. And I want to challenge you to do that. All of a sudden, we're going to go to aisle number six at John Eagle at 1 o'clock, and there'll be all the church people there, right? <laughs> people all the way back to the meat department. Yeah, that'd be crazy. But, um, you know, and, and if you see me there, feel free to let me go ahead of you to help you develop patience, right? <laughs> So I, I want you to develop patience. And, and those are small things that you can do to develop patience. But, the, but, yeah, but I want to give you a verse here. Isaiah 40, 31. Here's why it's so important to learn how to wait. Those who wait on the Lord, those who wait for the Lord, those who wait in the Lord, shall renew their strength. You get stronger when you wait. That's not the American way, is it? The American way is I want it and I want it now. A good friend of mine always says this. And uh, he says, do you, want it? do you want what you really want or do you want what you want now? And, and I appreciate that statement because it's not about what I really want now. It's about what I really want. And you wait on the Lord. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Their strength. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How is patience formed? The second way is solitude, the practice of solitude. I want to encourage you, get alone. You've you got to get away. You have to get away from the pressures of this world. Our world is trying to form us into something, and God is trying to form you into something different than what the world is trying to form you into. And what happens when we get into solitude? I get away, and who is in solitude? It's you and God. Your mom's not there. Your spouse isn't there. Your kids aren't there. There's nobody there. And, and somebody said, well, what do I do when I go to solitude? Do, should, I, should, I take a, should I take sermons and listen to sermons? No, that's not solitude. I think it's great. A few people told me that they listened to last week's message online because I couldn't be here. I said, that's wonderful. But guess what? That doesn't replace solitude. Solitude is this. When I get alone and it's me and God, and, and you go out and you may just sit in your favorite chair on your porch, on your deck, you got a glass of iced tea, and you're just sitting there, and you're like, I am blocking everything else out, and it's me and you, God. And when you first do it, you feel really weird. Because if you're not in the practice of getting alone with God, at first, and somebody shared this because I, I kind of, we hit on this a little bit last week. Somebody came back to me and said, well, I tried that and I didn't feel God. I felt sunburned. And I said, yeah, that's what happens. But go back tomorrow because God's still waiting for you there. Keep going back. Isn't that the world we live in? You, you know what? Solitude. Lamentations 3.25 says this. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It's good to wait quietly for him. 
It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. In other words, listen, you've got to get alone with God. You have got, and I'm not talking that you're cranking through your prayer journal. I'm not talking you're cranking through 12 passages of, of the scripture. Those are all good things. But I'm saying it's you and God, and you say, God, fill up my cup. There was a song we used to sing years ago. It was called Fill Up My Cup. And you would fill up my cup and let it overflow. Let it overflow with joy, with love. And you know what? You're not going to get patience by running all the time. You're not going to get patience by filling, even with good things. Listen, we can be so involved at church, and I can fill my life every night of the week with church work. And God says, no, no, Ken, slow down. I'm the one in charge. Let me fill up your cup. Let me fill up your cup. So today, as, as we wrap up here, I, I, want, I want to give you a few thoughts here um, to, to just get alone with God. There was a, there was a man, and this is, a, this is from a newspaper in Tacoma, Washington, in 1990. And it, the, the title of the article is called The Unplanned Ride. Tattoo the Basset Hound went for an unplanned run when his owner shut one end of his leash in a car door and took off for a drive with tattoo at the leash's other end still outside the car. Motorcycle officer Carrie Filbert was on patrol when he noticed that a car that seemed to have something dragging from it. Filbert chased and finally stopped the car, not before the dog reached a speed of 20 to 25 mile an hour and rolled several times. The car's occupant, a man and woman, jumped out and the officer told them that they were dragging a dog. The distressed couple began calling, Tattoo, Tattoo. And the eight-month dog was theirs, and it was not injured. Do you know what your life is like? It's like you got that leash. And somebody slammed the car door, and you're being pulled. You're, th- this world will pull you. Your career will pull you. Relationships will pull you. And, and you know what? You can let whatever the forces of this world will pull you. And God says, look, just disconnect. Let me fill your cup. Let me fill your cup. Ruth Graham. Ruth Graham was uh, the, 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 the wife of evangelist Billy Graham. Ruth Graham had been on a journey and she, she was driving her car and it was on a highway and, and it was a construction zone and she's twisting and turning all the way and, and on the construction zone she read as she come to the end of the construction zone she read this big sign that said end of construction thanks for your patience Ruth Graham came home and she said that's really my life my life is one constant construction and she said, that's what I want on my tombstone. Under construction, thanks for your patience. So on the screen you see here this morning, this is a picture of her tombstone. I'm thinking this is the wife of the greatest evangelist that ever lived, right? And she put, she said on my tombstone, put these words, under construction, thanks for your patience. And you know what I say to those around me? I'm under construction. Thanks for your patience. And I pray that that would be a good statement for my, for my life at the end of my life. That you could put that on and say, wow, God was working on him. God was changing him. And this morning, I invite you to go home today and put it on and make this practice of solitude. Get alone with God. 
Psalm 46.10 says to be still, to be silent, be quiet, and know that I am God. You're not still and quiet in front of the hockey game. You're not still and quiet in front of the, the computer. You're not still and quiet with the iPhone. You're still and quiet when there's nothing but you and God. And you're before this almighty God. He starts to talk to you. And he starts to tell you that you're okay. And he starts to tell you it doesn't matter what people said about you. He tells you it doesn't matter. Stop trying to compete for my love. I already love you. That's what solitude is. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. This morning, I want to invite you to Jesus. In this room, I know there are many people here that are, are seeking God. And you're here this morning because God's drawn you here. I want to invite you to that God who has the grace to love you. He loves you as you are. He knows everything about you. And he accepts you and loves you. And he says, I died on the cross to pay for your sin. And if that's you this morning, I want to invite you to open your heart to trust Jesus. He will transform your life you may have seen other people's lives that have been transformed. You have questions. You don't understand it all. God says, you don't have to understand it all. You just have to trust me. And if that's you this morning, I'm going to invite you to, to open your heart to Jesus. To just pray something like this to him. And so I'm going to ask you to, to quietly pray with me. If that's you and just trust Jesus. To, just say something like this to him. Dear God, I need you. I'm a sinner. I'm broken and I need you you died on the cross and you came back to life again you paid for my sin and I accept your love and forgiveness right here and right now God I want your, your transformational character in my life I give my life to you today for others in this room, maybe you've been following Jesus for some time, but maybe you haven't been alone with him. Oh, you've, you may have gone to studies about him. You, have met, you might have talked about him. You may know all kinds of things about him, but you haven't been alone with him for a very long time. This morning, would you just start to talk to him? Say, God, I need you. I don't want to compete for your love anymore. I don't have to compete because you love me. God, help me to recognize who I am in you. Lord, give me this time. And I want to encourage you to go out and make time this week because this patience is a fruit of the Spirit. It only comes from God. God, be with your people as we respond. We ask that you'll just move mightily in our church this morning, Lord. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and respond. Praise the Lord.